The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here. I'm the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. And Joe, how's the dryer going? (laughs) Uh, Well, of course, the issue isn't happening right now. It's making a really loud squeaky noise. So we got the dryer guy there. And of course he turns it on and it's purring like a kitten. Just like when you take your car in, right? Yeah. You yeah. hear it all the time and then you get there and it's like, it won't do it for you. Oh man. Um, well, you know, speaking of dryers and countdown mode, you uh, count down the new year with uh, countdown to midnight and uh, some stuff going on at the FSW arena on that show. Uh, Chris Bay, what's going on with Chris? Uh, kind of maybe a message for one Johnny Mecca? Uh, yeah, without a doubt. After uh, Bay won the Mecca Grand Championship, uh, John uh, alluded to Chris. And, and, and they've met before. And, you know, John is very fond of uh, Chris Bay's talents. But, you know, he did reiterate how he never lost the Mecca Grand Championship. You know, he went back to WWE. So we're actually uh, looking at trying to put some stuff together. And we're looking at doing uh, another Mecca on March 26th, actually. So we actually have two venues in play. Uh, Speaking with a former venue yesterday, once again, and, you know, there's a good possibility we could uh, make a return uh, to to that venue. You know, you know, again, it's it's still about how much it's going to cost and things like that. But they seem a little more open to things. And no, it's not Sam's Town. So uh, but in, in all honesty, yeah, we are talking with the Silverton once again, and uh, they seem to be a lot more open about the possibility of uh, doing it there. Fortunately, the guy in control there uh, was an underling when we were doing shows back in the day. And uh, he saw, you know, what we helped bring to the casino, you know. But again, in 2022-2023, they're only worried about the bottom line. You know, they're not looking at how many people might come to the facility. They're worried about in-house what's going to happen at that show, which is disappointing because when you're bringing four or five, six hundred people into a casino that the only way you can get to the venue is through the casino, you would hope and you would think that 500 people at at worst, what, 10 percent spend time in the casino. You know, that's. You know, you're talking 50 to, you know, 75 people at minimum 
spending 20, 50, 100 bucks eating dinner. You know, those are that's thousands of dollars of revenue that you wouldn't have. And, I, you know, to me on the outside looking in, it's it's a slam dunk. Like, OK, we got to we got to we got to show it's no different than when they have Billy Ocean there or a, a name act from the 70s, 80s and 90s that they've done in the past that haven't right. drawn any more than what we draw. But the difference is they're paying Billy Ocean a shit ton of money to, to come there to perform, right. to try to get that money back. We're just saying, hey, just give us the door and you take all the food and beverage. And the reason you have entertainment is to get people into your casino. Well, we're getting people into the casino for, you know, a minuscule amount of the cost. You know, you're providing a sound guy, a lighting guy. And we pretty much kind of handle all the rest of the stuff. So, but, you know, we'll see. Hopefully we'll have more information. You know, we're at the Silver Nugget for no escape on the 29th. But those are polar opposites on the side of town. And And we've seen in the past doing a Silverton, doing a Sam's Town every month, every four or five weeks didn't really affect the crowd because there was a lot of people who couldn't get to this side. When we did the, uh, the North side cannery, it was all the way on the other side. And, you know, we drew tremendously. (coughs) So, you know, having a second venue to utilize is, is, is important because it also helps us with some leverage, you know, because now it's possible with all the connections we have, you know, yeah, I'm pretty sure GCW is not going to go into Silverton because Silverton's not going to allow you to hit fucking people in the head with with light tubes. But the women's wrestling shows and Ed in San Antonio and a black label or a, a pro wrestling revolver, you know, we could make a weekend out of that. And, right. you know, we could run the two vendors. You know, we saw at Silver Nugget, we were able to run three events in one day. You know, we right. did that twice. So... You know, depending on the day. Obviously, Sunday's a little harder because, you know, Sundays, it's a little hard to start at 1 or 2 o'clock and then bounce back to a 6 o'clock show. But like what we did on uh, last year on AEW weekend when we did the full tilt, you know, we probably had a show at 12 or 1 o'clock. We had another show at 5 o'clock and we had a show at whatever, 10 or 11 o'clock. But that was a Friday or Saturday. It was it's a lot easier uh, to make that happen. So, you know, hopefully negotiations go well, you know, I take him at his word. I send him an email. He actually responded, Hey, what dates are you looking for? So, you know, he said, and you know, in all honesty, love to have you back because he saw what we did and he's going to run some numbers and, you know, hopefully, uh, maybe by next week we could say, Hey, you know what, we're going to, you know, we're going to be returning to one of our, you know, original stomping grounds, because if he's going to look at the analytics and the numbers of the last show we did, well, that was the biggest show we ever did at the Silverton was when we were lucky enough because, uh, you know, thank you, Eli Drake, L.A. Knight. Uh, we booked him uh, and Kirk White, the late Kirk White, uh, went through Impact Wrestling and booked because he had a weekend event and he booked uh Eli Drake for that Friday and Saturday. So they had to pull him from our show because we dealt with, with Eli Drake face to face. 
So I booked him through himself. So thankfully, Sanjay Dutt, who we had a good relationship with, because it was weird. We had uh, another show two, three months later, and I had booked Moose on it. And then Moose is hitting me up. He's like, well, what about uh, No Escape? And I'm like, uh, you're not booked on it? Like, the fuck are you even talking about? Like, I'm trying to get another booking. And his response was, uh, at the time, yeah, I guess he's still there. Jimmy Jacobs was yeah. sending out the itinerary. And it was like, oh, well, it says FSW uh, in January. And I'm like, no idea. So I'm like, got off talking to him. And I call Sanjay like, dude, what the fuck's going on? It was like, well, don't you have a show uh, January, whatever? And I'm like, yeah, but Moose is not booked. And it's like, oh, we're going to send him and Del Rio in, you know, to make up for Eli Drake. And I'm like, and he goes, yeah, you know, we, we, we'll cover everything in their flights. You know, all you got to do is get Del Rio a room because he will not stay in the hotel that he is performing in. Performing in. Yep. And I had to rent him a car. That somehow a one-day rental ended up being 200 bucks, but it was still worth it because we had about a week to promote it. And Del Rio was on Twitter promoting coming to Vegas. And, you know, we put a bunch of flyers at the, at the swap meet. So instead of our, you know, four or 500 we were going to do, we did probably like 700 people. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah so, which is, I mean, it's fabulous too because that space is a nice big space. Uh and like you said, the you have to go through that casino to get to the space. So you're looking at if you if you do anywhere between 500 and you know a thousand, uh, that's big money for the casino. So why wouldn't it be a big consideration for them? And I remember because they did a concert on that Friday, and it was like a local band or whatever that they're again. Yeah. Even if it's a crappy local band, they're probably paying fifteen hundred bucks or thousand dollars, what you know, whatever it is. And the food and beverage people came up to us and was like, "Oh, this is amazing, man! We had a concert yesterday, and we didn't sell crap at the bar." And it was like, "Oh, okay," because the new people had come into Silverton, and it was like, "Okay, we got we got some ammunition, man. We're gonna have another meeting, and they're gonna definitely want to have us back." And it was like. I remember the exact wording. It was like, well, this is not the type of event that we're looking for at our at our venue. And I remember exactly saying, what type of event? One that actually brings you in money? <laughs> and it was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, we we probably ran, what, 15 shows there? Maybe, maybe more? You know, I, I don't remember exact numbers, but... We never had an incident. We never had an issue. You know, people would go there, spend money. Again, can't track who goes from one place to the other. But, you know, don't act like nobody was buying dinner afterwards and gambling afterwards. That's what people do. It's a night out, you know. And and that's the one issue, you know, at the Silver Nugget. It's, it's not much of a gaming casino. You know, and there's, it, it, and there's no direct food in that place, essentially, either. Right. Except, you know, so that was that. the issues when we're talking about the money at the Silver Nugget. And it's like, yeah. well, you know, the numbers and it's like, but you do understand when people go get food and I eat the tacos because they're good. I yeah. can get the tacos. 
people are not going to say, well, you know what? I'm going to make sure the uh, beverage revenue's up. I'm not going to get my drinks here. I'm going to go now go to the bar and wait in line and get a drink. No, they're going to order the three tacos for 10 bucks, and they're going to get their water, their soda, and then they have their specialty drinks. Like I've gotten their mango and the honeydew and the horchata. And it's like, so you're trying to bump us up to make more money, but the place over here is probably taking what you're asking us to give you. Why are we responsible for that? Right. And yeah. that's the disappointing part. Like, we can't control that. And, you know, it was, oh, you know, I understand your concerns, you know, but the taco place has been grandfathered in from, obviously, they know the people there. And I'm like, I get that. But then you need to take into consideration when you're asking us because we need to bring in more money or we're not reaching your numbers. You know, yeah, we might have had, you know, you're you're trying to gauge everything off the first Mecca we did. And we did these numbers, you know, right. and then GCW did these numbers. So then when we're running a regular show, not every show is going to do those numbers. Now, all of a sudden we do half of what we did. And now it's like, oh, well, you know, you're not. And it's like, now the last show, we did really well because we built it up. The anniversary show did really well. Survival of the Fittest didn't do as well. Okay, those things happen. You know, we still had 300 people, 350 people in the place. Sorry, we didn't have 600. You know, it it depends on the the events. So, you know, it's pulling teeth. Like, it's like, you know, the reason we do Sunday over Saturday is because there's a big difference in cost. And now you're trying to raise that price on Sunday. And it's like, well, that's odd. You basically say, you know, Sunday's pretty much an open day that it's almost like extra money. So would you rather us not be there? Yeah. Or would you rather make the Sunday money? You know, you're not going to make the money you would make on Friday and Saturday than you do on the Sunday. You've already acknowledged that. So now why is there an issue? Because I say, hey, what are the numbers? Well, at Sam's time, we get a breakdown of every number. How much exactly was sold in food? Exactly how much? So you're telling me that the numbers weren't that good. Oh, okay. So what, what, what were they? Oh, well, you know, I didn't have the information. And it's like, okay. So now you have the information when we didn't do as good. But when we did really good and I said, hey, what were the numbers? You couldn't give me any. Yeah. Yeah, convenience of uh, the uh, the operations uh, breakdowns. That's pretty funny. The other thing that's kind of interesting too is, you know, when you think about Silverton, um, it the direct access from the freeway, I think, is also another thing that factors in. You know, Silver Nugget, you got to get off the freeway. You still got to go a couple miles. It's not the most, you know, friendly of neighborhoods when you're leaving the casino at 8, 9 o'clock at night and it's dark out. Whereas Silverton, you're out that garage and then you're right onto the the freeway. So And the, the, the big, <clears throat> probably the biggest importance is when the show's a week or two away and you're driving on that freeway and there's thousands and thousands, the marquee shows, future stars are wrestling. Hey, we got Johnny Mecca. We got Chris Bay. We got Karrion Cross. And in the past, when we would have shows, 
hey, Alberto Del Rio. Oh, shit, there's a wrestling show here, and Alberto Del Rio is going to be there, and Moose from that, and Willie Mack, and Sammy Callahan, and all these guys, and Jeff Cobb, and whoever we had brought in, you know, and it would also make the people who didn't know about our shows, who may not always know about our shows, be able to see them. It was the same thing when we would do it at Sam's Town. So that was also a key factor that it's included in the price. Get us a 15 second video because it's a lot easier because they're rotating 30 videos so they can add ours in at the silver nugget. We have to pay separately and that cost isn't cheap because it's old school and it's great because it's old school and you get to see it 24 seven. So that is huge also. But the problem becomes when you've raised the price and now you're giving us more price. Wow. Now it's being really costly and to make it cost effective to pay your price and now have to pay uh, to have the marquee set up. Like it just shows you when we did it, you know, we went out of pocket for full tilt weekend because it was like, hey, you know, we were supposed to have big names there. So. You know, Matt Cardona is going to be there. The Briscoes were supposed to be there. So, you know, we included them on 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 the marquee. That way people could see it 24-7. And the funny thing was, by the time we did another show, probably five or six weeks later, the marquee was still up that said pro wrestling. And it was like, if I knew it was going to stay up that long, because now they got to get somebody else to come in and pay for it, or they're waiting for us to pay for it, so they don't have to. And then they can take it over. So after yeah. like a month and a half, they realized we weren't going to pay again. So now they had to go back and they had to come in and pay for the, the sign to be redone. Which again, right. everything has a crazy price. It's the, the world we live in. But, right. you know, it, it was like, hey, well, what if we say we booked three dates and now it says pro wrestling January 29th, March 26th, yeah. you know, April 15th. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, I paid once, but I'm getting three shows worth. Right. And, you know, be, being being that hustler promoter guy trying to save whatever dollars we can to, to justify doing it, you know, that's definitely something I'd want to do. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense, um, you know. <laughs> It's just a, a very interesting dynamic too between uh you know looking at these two different venues that are actually polar opposites essentially where you know the where the silverton is you know again uh but i don't think by that mecca, I don't know if the hotel is back open at that point um, because they've been doing the renovation. They're getting close on on real. That's the second hotel. Which one? At the, the Silverton, I thought they have now two towers. It, yeah, so it's it's the one that's actually there. Um, they're considered their property. The other hotel is not necessarily the Silverton run. Right, right, right. It's like a secondary sister property. Right. Right, But one of them is open, right? Yeah. That one's still open, but, but what I'm trying to get at is it might be close to that grand reopening by the time Mecca is coming around, which means that, 
you're also going to have a great shot of getting people to, you know, see that marquee and then book a hotel room, which is brilliant. I had to let the dog in. He was, scratch he was scratching. What's up, buddy boy? <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he's hearing all this talk. He's getting excited about it. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and then he's like, hey, where's dad? And, you know, there's a strange guy in the laundry room. So, so like, I heard the one bark, but he was actually good. Um, so, you know, you're talking about these uh, marquee names, essentially, the, to sell shows. And, uh, of course, at Countdown to Midnight, uh, you had a couple marquee names, like Brandon G. Now, let's start there, man. What is going on with Mr. Brandon G? Is he starting to make a little bit of an impact? Or uh, is he showing he's, uh, you know, just uh, if he if he didn't have his book, would he, would he be effective? Well, I got to be 100% honest with you. I think he may have been the, the MVP of, of that event. Uh, you know, he was in a tag team with Ricky Tenacious, and they, they generally never won matches. You know, and if they did, it was very infrequent. But he was the secondary character. You know, Ricky Tenacious is, is the Batman, you know, was the Batman in, in, in that tag team. And this was really the first opportunity. Uh, you know, there was a couple times because Brandon helps out a lot at the school, you know, when haters not able to do the kids class. So Brandon G's a guy you, you try to give something to because, you know, he's gone out of his way for us. And there was a couple times I had him booked. So I was a little mad because it was kind of like, hey, you, you know, I've given you guys dates and now you took a date somewhere else. And it's like, it's hard for me to book you, you know, in those situations. So, you know, I had hit him up about the, 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 the rumble. So he got to be in that. And then it was like, you know, a lot of our trainers, you know, felt that ref AJ was ready for an opportunity. And, you know, he now he's starting to get frustrated because people feel he's ready for an opportunity, but he's doing a job, good job as a ref. And we're yeah. kind of struggling to have consistent referees. You know, the few that we've used, they're unavailable. You know, Cody, he's one of the best referees around at this point, yeah. you know, and, you know, ref Amber, who's local, but, you know, because of work and other things she was not available very often and you know we used one of our younger guys but even uh scarlet over in california the santino she worked at the mecca and things like that but but she's booked a lot in in la california and it's a long drive for her. so like that weekend she's booked in gcw and there's things going on so it, it's kind of clinging on to aj as the referee but I have an obligation. You know, this kid is paying to train. He wants to be a pro wrestler. He doesn't want to be a referee. But he's stepping up because he knows we need it, which now puts him in a better light in my eyes because, you know, here's a guy who's working hard. He's close to being a wrestler. How can I not position him in any way to wrestle when he's doing us a favor in reality? You know, and that's the problem with a lot of the younger students. They should all be have the ability and ready to go as referees obviously a guy who's six foot seven 300 pounds you don't want that as 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 a ref 
but there's right. plenty of guys that are less than six feet tall and yeah. that are even more in the five, seven, five, eight, five, nine range that they're not towering over the wrestler that it's a great learning process to begin with, you know, and maybe that's a mistake on our end that we had not even encourage force them to also partake because obviously when we do practice matches, um, most of the students will slide in and do the count or whatever. And it's like, well, you don't have to do that much more to get yourself ready to actually referee in a match. Counting is one part, but it also helps you, your mannerisms. It helps your character down the line. If you're able to portray something as a referee. So uh, I had an idea with, uh, with AJ and, you know, I brought it to him and, I thought Brandon G would be the guy who'd be able to do it. Because one thing that Brandon always did in the past is, you know, a lot of, a lot of people who wrestle and don't get a lot of opportunities, you know, they want, 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 like when they do get that opportunity and Brandon understood his role and his role was usually to get his ass whooped. And he went in there and he did it as good as he could do, which his job, wasn't to look good. It was to make the other guy look good. And when somebody keeps doing that, you know, again, that's when you have to reward that person. So I felt in this situation and when the first incident happened uh, with the ref and the shoving and the stuff, like the show wasn't even over yet. And I guess he made the video of him storming out, blaming me, whatever it was. And I was like, wow, this is a good promo, man. It's like, uh, I'm interested to see where this goes. And I had no intention. It it was more of a future shock, a little story to get for the future shock. And these guys jumped the gun a little bit. And I'm going to continue that story. I think to hang on. Yep. Hang on one minute. So anything. I I agree with everything. All rollers, all pulleys, or everything. Okay. So, yeah, so if it's an issue, I'm not having to have to pay for another. No, 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 no. You'll have to, there's some warrants, so take a few of the time. Yeah, and then if it does squeak again, I'll have my wife record. All right, I'm free. I'm free. Here we go. So as I was saying, uh, they AJ kind of jumped the gun a little bit, like thinking at the next high octane. I'm like, what are you talking about? Never, that has never been discussed. So you shove the referee, and we're going to have a match. No, we, we we gotta we gotta add a little bit more to it. Okay, so now you did the promo, and then we had the next match. And uh, we did it as the pre-show on that last high octane, which I guess was season's beatings. So at that point, uh, Remy came up with the idea, which we had done a few years back where Cody did the drop down and the leapfrog. And it was, you know, him showing his athleticism. That way people can believe moving forward. 
oh, okay, this kid looks like he can wrestle. Plus, he was also in the Halloween Battle Royal. So we set that up, and Chase Bell was wrestling Brandon G, and he did the drop down, he did the leapfrog, and then he basically ran right into a Superman punch from Chase Bell, and it cost him the match. So, of course, again, now he's going berserk about it, and it was like, hey, we're going to do this New Year's Eve because, again, we were keeping it local, and we had room for a spot uh, for a match on that show. And I felt waiting another month after that would, would, would kind of forget everything. This was more fresh in people's minds. So let's give the kid an opportunity. And, you know, it, it ended up being an extremely entertaining match. Uh, the only issue I had was I understand that we announced it as an unsanctioned match that FSW didn't sanction it. You know, those guys kind of made it seem like it was a, a no DQ fight all over the arena opening match that really probably didn't have to be done that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, just just impressive stuff. Um, and I think that sometimes, you know, Brandon doesn't get enough credit. Um, and I think AJ is definitely showing that he's got his promise there. So. You know, for angles that sometimes you really think too much about, um, you know, and can kind of get lost in the shuffle and be a big deal to the guys, and they put the heart into it. I think you're seeing that, you know, this is one of those things that got elevated because they really are passionate in what they do. And it's, um, it's just amazing to see uh, when you put two guys together who, you know, Brandon has a good amount of experience. AJ's a little bit younger, a little bit, uh, you know, greener. Um, you can tell good stories. And I think that sometimes we forget that that's the process. The storytelling is one of the things I think that sets apart what you do as a promoter, as a booker, um, what the trainers do as teachers as well is um, the storytelling is just, you know, really strong storytelling. Uh, so it, it was just phenomenal to see to, like you said, to to start the, the event, um, you know, it, it was just a fun, fun way to watch something develop that, um, you know, three months ago, I don't think anyone have, anyone would have thought that this would be something that would be that entertaining. Um, Speaking of entertaining, Kevin Koa, man, Whew. That, that guy is, I, you know, can you, can you see, can you see that future in him? You know, he's a big dude and it's like, it, it's crazy. Again, it's how things turn, how they play out. You know, Koa was a guy who came a few different times and never used him. You know, he came in to help, all that good stuff, you know, and respected that. And, if you know, maybe a little spot here. And we were trying to do something with the MK Army. And because MK had lost Juicy and Toa. And we had a guy that we looked at that we felt would fit right in. And we were going to put him and AJ Mana together. And about... Three hours before the show, I got a call or a message, whatever. And I was like, oh, hey, bro, you know, some stuff came on with the kid, blah, blah, blah. And I could be able to make it. 
Well, unfortunately, not being able to make it has been more so than I am able to make it. Right. And it became, well, we need to move forward with this. And Koa came up without probably being booked. And it was like, okay, here's a big dude. He can fit in. You know, obviously he's not juicy. He's not Toa. He's got a longer ways to go, but it's also something that we could keep for a while. You know, with Toa and Juicy, you weren't sure how long you were going to have them. And, you know, a guy like Toa, you know, got on people's radar. Oh, shit, he's already working some AEW darks. What are you going to do? So, you know, I made the decision to put Koa in that spot. And, you know, ever since he has done that, you know, he has, you know, passed every test with flying colors. You know, even though, even when there was issues in the tag team where some of the stuff was a little clunky or whatever it is. Because, you, again, you, you do have two greener guys in there that are in there, you know, no more than a year in the business. So there are going to be, you know, mistakes made, but he's a humble dude, you know, whatever you need him to do, you know, again, another guy from Arizona, you know, trained by Dom and all those guys, you know, and I say it jokingly when I talk about the Suavecitos, but when they go elsewhere, you know, people have nothing but great things to say about attitudes and things like that. So, the Arizona guys, maybe they do have some issues, but when they come here, you know, when people go elsewhere, they're on their best behavior is what I'm trying right. to say. So, right. but it isn't like I've ever heard anything negative on that end. You know, I've heard a couple of, you know, attitudinal behavior things, talking with Graves, you know, because sometimes the younger guys get a little bit, a little early, and then it starts to go to their head a little. So, but, you know, haven't seen that with Koa. Obviously, guys like Graves and Hammerstone uh, worked with him in Arizona and trying to get him ready for, for bigger spots. So, you know, and our roster is usually more no limity type wrestlers. You know, the big heavyweights are far and few between. So having right. a guy like Koa and wrestling a guy like Graves or even the Remy's and the Cody's of the world, you know, this is good for them, but it's also, you know, good for the, the mainstays, the veteran guys who need a good match. And at least if they beat that guy or they beat a Koa or, you know, it, it's a win that means something. Or if Koa wins, right. that's a huge win. You know, here's right. a guy that's on the upside. Because, again, I always try to emphasize there's only eight or nine wins on an entire show. And I can give you a list of 20 guys that need to be pushed and need to win matches. So, you know, how does that happen? You know, you get the younger younger guys that you're trying to see on the upside, the the Primo Henios now, the Jordan Cruz, the Blair Brodies, the Brett the Threats, the Nick Xanders. You know, where are their wins at? And then you got the veteran guys. And you got the Remy's and the Cody's and the Graves. And it's like, well, where's those wins at? And then it's like, you got the champions. Where are their wins at? And then you got, you know, these other guys that you're trying to put at a top level, a Danny Limelight, a Jordan Oasis. Where's their wins? Yeah. And and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, I I need 15 wins tonight. (laughs) And it, it can't happen. You know, you look at the tag teams. Everybody needs wins. 
you know, I like the regulators. They, 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 they're a good tag team, but right now they haven't been in a position at this moment to yeah. get that win. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like that you, you brought up, uh, their Primo Henio, uh, Jordan Cruz. Of course they were involved, uh, in the, the four way match, uh, what were your overall thoughts on that match? Because I think you had four guys who are just, you know, of course, Bodie, of course, being uh, younger, uh, but still just on that trajectory. And uh, Celestial, you know, I think pretty pretty solid worker as well, who's, you know, it, it's just so much talent that you look at a match like that and you go, I don't envy you trying to figure out how you position those wins because just look at those four names and go, well, shit, any one of those guys could grab that win. It's, it's kind of exciting as a fan, not knowing who is literally going to go over in a match when you see that kind of talent together. Well, I'm going to start with uh, Angel Celestial. Because he's a guy who was a young kid, you know, yeah. 20 years old, maybe. You know, he came to us. Hey, yeah, you know, I wrestled in Mexico a bit and he's got training. And we know they, they start the training young. And you yeah. could see he had some decent stuff going on, you know, in the training. So we gave him the opportunity. The first match he worked was a scramble. Uh, and I believe Bodie was in that also. And it had Ricky from the Suavecitos and, yeah. and Andy Delgado. And the one thing I saw about, on Hell Celestia was the smoothness of, of, of the moves, but right. it was also the out of control behavior. You know, I had to calm him down. It's like, dude, okay, this is what we're looking for from you. It's not you go out there and do whatever the fuck you want, start cursing at the fans. It was like, dude, what what are you doing? We're we're not in Mexico. You know, I don't know. I don't have any footage of you wrestling there to know other than you tell me you wrestled there. Well, I don't know if you wrestled five matches or 50 matches or 500 matches. I have no idea right. what he's done. All I know is what I can see. And it's like, he is a guy who I think if we can mold him and get him down there more, because, you know, he, st he started coming back around and uh, that's how he ended up getting his match. Cause you know, on and off, on and off. But now he's gotten a new job and, it, and it's made his training a little less. But I had gotten there early a couple times and I saw him training with, you know, Damian Drake and Matt Vandergriff and, and stuff like that, which is a great sign. But it's just trying to tone him down, like in the ring, you know, do your thing. But learning how to work with other guys who've been there longer, things like that. I think he has a great upside. It's just that he needs to be molded a little bit to, you know, the Americanized version of professional wrestling. Yeah, there. Yeah, having a little issue with my throat. Um, so that's, you know, that that's definitely a great point. Um, when you have a guy like Jordan Cruz, you're starting to see Jordan starting to get some belts <clears throat> across, uh, you know, the companies. Uh, he's the level up champion right now. Um, you know, for you, how does that 
figure into his positioning because you you sometimes you have that weird that weird mix where you want to push him more but when a person gets more booking bookings elsewhere it has more responsibilities especially when they're they're the champion of their home company <clears throat> how do you kind of work around that to make sure that you're able to utilize him for what you need but also don't put yourself in a position where uh you kind of get stuck where maybe he can't make bookings you were looking forward to maybe you know possibly two three months down the line in terms of building a story arc or building a potential you know uh title match uh you know a feud with a with a champion uh how do you work with guys like that who are you know on the uprise not only in fsw but in other companies as well well it's easy you, you communicate and jordan cruz has communicated to me that he really wants to be in fsw he really wants to be a player in fsw so other than the one time that he had an issue because again his main company uh would be boy had a show and he was in a minor position in ours so it was yeah do your thing no problem not going to affect it in any way but it's the communication like hey i know you got a new year's show love to work it well I never wanted to force that upon anybody to have to travel, but Primo Henio, Johnny Robbie, and that's why you saw some of the out of town talent along with Jordan Cruz. They all made the, the journey separately because they want to be a player in FSW because we have built up enough of a reputation. Uh, guys like, Chris Bay and Vandegrift and all these guys who travel the West Coast and stuff, they see what we're doing, you know, even a Danny Limelight who's done tons of things, you know, he, one of his goals is to be a champion in FSW. Well, that would mean he rates FSW pretty highly uh, in his list of promotions. So yeah, he's the United wrestling champion. Uh, he, he was wrestling MLW. He, he wrestles all the time on new Japan. So it becomes my job to make sure, Hey, there's no conflicts with new Japan anymore because Hey, they're running the Sundays when we do the big shows. Hey, when's their date in March? Hey, when's their date in January? Oh, okay. So the 29th is a good date. Hey, can we get our champions there? Okay. So we're not concerned that those dates are going to be booked. Primo Henio, another one, you know, get me dates, Johnny Robbie, get me dates. And those are, you know, three or four people that we see that are really rising stars in the business and they want to work for me. I'd be insane not to try to make our roster better. That, that's what we're always looking at. And yeah, it becomes a problem. And like I said, it'd be a lot easier if I didn't run a school and just did a promotion. Now, where would we be training wise if we didn't have the school and Chris Bay didn't train with us and cross and Sefa and Zoe. So it's a catch 22. The great, there's great things about running the school, but there's also the issues of I'm trying to get people from the school. Once they get 
in those spots opportunities because we have so much homegrown talent that, oh, shit, look at a Brandon G not being on shows. But Brandon G's not at a level that Eli ever flies at if I can get him or Primo Henio or, or, or these other guys that are, you know, getting notoriety. The, the key is, again, not only Las Vegas. You know, we want people to buy the network in California and Utah and Arizona and using guys that are talented when we can get a Titus Alexander who's got a great buzz on the West Coast, you know, a Jack Cartwheel. When we can get them, you know, we try. And that's the reason why I run a future shock because it gives the Demir morning stars and, you know, those younger cats and Andy Delgado and those guys are now ready to have matches. But if I never give you a match, how are you going to get better? You know, back in yeah. the day when we didn't have a future shock, you know, a Jacob Austin young, he'd work a pre-show match in a tag with Greg Romero and they would wrestle, you know, uh, Johnny Yuma and Johnny Goodtime. Well, you know, as a pre-show match, it was a good match for them. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you're trying to pick spots. Or that's when the infamous eight-man tags and five-man scramble pre-show matches occurred. Because it was me trying to give some younger guys opportunities. If I didn't have the school, I would never book that guy who was looking for his second professional wrestling match. But instead of being grateful, there were certain people that weren't grateful, like, oh, another throwaway match. Dude, you're lucky you're on the fucking card inside a Silverton casino with 600 fucking people there. Yeah. You know, I I could just make a nice eight-match card and have it flow, be done in two hours and 25 minutes, and it's the best of the best West Coast guys. Yeah. But how did we build, you know, if – a guy like Clutch didn't see what we were doing. Maybe he wouldn't leave Arizona to come train with us. Jacob Boston Young wouldn't leave to train with us. Chris Bay wouldn't have left Virginia to come to Vegas to train with us because right. they saw the outlet of being when, hey, we're pretty good. We're going to get on shows. The most difficult thing is for somebody to send a resume to a company that they say, well, yeah, we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do because you're doing it. You've had no matches. He's doing it. He's had no matches and they're getting a hundred messages or they're getting a guy who's not very good, but he brings three of his friends and they're there for the show and they're, they're looking to get booked. And right. on a lot of these smaller shows, they're going to book whoever. And that's always been my biggest pet peeve. Like people think they're going to come. Oh, you know, Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, my shows are set. Like, you think I'm just going to, like, magically add you to my fucking show? You know, maybe there's other companies that do that. We don't do that. We right. have our matches set. Now, we might have a spot. And we may say, hey, somebody didn't show up. There was traffic. There was issues. He got sick. His, his, his dog had to go to the vet. Whatever it is, sure, we might have a spot in a six-man tag. But usually, it's going to go to, let's say the five Arizona guys who came down with, with Watson at the time or Hammerstone to drive them. And they're just hoping for one time and an opportunity to see what they can do. And we've used some of their guys that were like, not happening. 
You know, yeah. they, they don't fit what we're doing. You know, I was not impressed with them. I'm not going to use a guy who five of my students are better than, but not use my student over that person. Right. So you have to be extremely good and better than what's sitting here. Because in reality, we have five, six guys that are sitting around that might not be on the show that are students because they just weren't booked. And then if a spot comes up, then I'm going to pick the best guy available. Well, if somebody tells me how good Devin Reno is, I'm going to keep my eye on him. And the, the first time I can get an opportunity for him to show something, I will, because I know what our student can do. But if right. I'm told by the higher ups, like a Hammerstone or, or Graves or Gallo or Dom or a class, for example, now, because he's a guy who's got that respect. People said, right. hey, this guy's good, blah, blah, blah. We saw what he did in an extremely short period of time. So if he's going to put and, and most of the good wrestlers and the guys that I like and that I've had a long time relationship with, like I've said, you know, when Tito Escondido says, hey, this guy's good, I'm going to believe him. Yeah. You know, hey, this is my friend Che Cabrera. Okay. Hey, yeah, this guy's good. He became a regular. He'll ever fly. Became a regular or as often as we can use him. And, and again, a lot of those guys, it's because of that, regardless of somebody sending me something out of the blue that I don't know who they are because half the time they're 1500 miles away. And yeah. some of them are like, Oh yeah, I'll get down here myself. Oh, I'll bring a car load with me. It's like, well, I don't need a car load with me, with, with you to bring down there, you know? And some of them are like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. Like, why would you think I would like spend $400 on a flight for you to come in who nobody's ever heard of even in your home area, you know, right. you're just another guy in your home area. Like, and that's what we did with that new talent initiative. A Percy Drews was able to come out here because he found a sponsor who was willing. Right. And again, those guys aren't the superstars who have to go on Delta and have to go on American. Like they'll take a little backpack and buy a fucking $69 flight right on go on spirit or frontier just to get to vegas to wrestle on an fsw show because they feel it helps them sure you know you know why a guy from cleveland needs to come to vegas to wrestle at fsw you know that's great it's awesome sometimes i wonder like really you know how is that going to help him but for some reason they feel Working for FSW, I saw some posts on uh, on Twitter. Hey, you know, it was a big year for me. I made my debut at FSW Vegas and Progress or or whatever. And there's certain companies, and I guess on the resume it looks good. Sure. And who who might argue? It's like you know, I look at it from one way, and other people look at it from from different ways. Right. So it. it it's still to this day, 14 years in, you know, mind boggles my mind about how excited a lot of people are to wrestle for FSW. Yeah. And I always sometimes wonder how so many people from Vegas who were students of FSW look at it as like it's not a big deal and like they're deserving of it without having to earn it. So 
you know, I, I've said that a million times that there's guys from the outside, like years ago, you know, the Reno scum, like everybody from NorCal and Reno wanted to come to FSW because the Reno scum put over FSW as the fucking greatest thing around, you yeah. know, and you, you would hear that from the commandos and they would train people and those guys would try to hit me up and we would try to get all these people <clears throat> and 90, 90% of the time, the reason some people are hitting me up or somebody's hitting me up is because somebody told them this is the place you need to go. You yeah. know, Toa came to us because I actually heard more of the story. Uh, Toa and Juicy were wrestling locally uh, and they Shogun, you know, hero, they all went there and they saw Toa and, and they told them, you know, go see Joe, you know, Sefa was there. And I thought it was just Sefa being at Rikishi's place saying, hey, blah, blah, blah. And the minute right. Noah came into our building because GCW was running uh, an empty arena show in the pandemic, he came right up to me. And that's how, you know, these guys get utilized. When yeah. Sefa Patu says, hey, this big dude, you know, wants to work. You know, he's good. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, I need a reel of tape. And I need a link to YouTube to see. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this guy a shot. While in a lot and of other know, situations. Let's face it, though. If the enforcer says anything nowadays, you do it. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's like, you know, if he tells me I got to use Sami Zayn on my show, I guess I'll have to use Sami Zayn. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's, that's fabulous to hear that, um, that perspective. And it also goes to show... I think the key thing that kind of gets overlooked a lot of times, um, you know, we always kind of refer to those outside, you know, people up north or people in L.A. or, or San Diego, or Arizona, but your own base of guys like Bay and Shogun and Hero and Sefa when he was here, um, just invaluable for those guys when they see talent to say hey you gotta come here and i think that that's you know that's it's so much uh easier for a guy to be approached by one of those guys and get along with them and go you know what i feel like this would be a good place to get more ants to you know get these opportunities so it's it's that that homegrown system that really, you know, can bring in some fabulous guys uh, without, you know, anyone having to do anything other than to just be lucky enough to have one of those guys see them wrestle, you know, either here locally or, or somewhere else. Well, I look at it as like a scouting system. You know, I'll get a message every now and again from Remy Marcel. Hey, there's this guy, blah, 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 blah. You're doing a future shock. You know, I think it'd be good to put him on it. And you got a Vandergrift and you had a J by Dal at the time who they were going around wrestling those no limits, high flying kind of guys that I would sometimes need on a show. And it's not only them saying, Hey, Joe, here's this guy you should look at. No, it's me saying, Hey, in your travels over the last few months, Hey, is there anybody you think would be a nice addition? And that's how a Cameron Gates's name showed up. And I like Cameron Gates, and we haven't used him in a while just because at this point, 
I'm looking, you know, where Primo Henio has made the dates and, and it's kind of worked out. And, and I, and I have a vision of where we would, could go with him this year. Will Cameron Gates be back in 2023? Absolutely. So will Gatson. So will, so will Eli Everfly. Still looking to bring back the commandos. You know, they, they hit me up every few months. They they love Vegas. They want to come down. You know, I had a couple of different ideas of, you know, a, a four-way tag match that had all the ex-champions in it. And that was when we were talking with the 1% Royce and Jarrell. And it would be the commandos. And it could be the Reno scum. You know, there's there's enough of those guys out there with the current champions. And I thought that would have been a great match at the Mecca for TBD or bringing Juicy and, and Toa back together for one night to do it. Or now that we've had the unguided, there's so many good tag teams in that situation that we can have a four-way ex-champion match. Because I've always had a vision of a true night of champions where everybody on the card was a champion. Not, hey, this person is going to get his first title shot and it's night of champions. Right. This is... You know, Hammerstone defends against the former FSW heavyweight champion, boom, Brian Cage, let's just say. Or, but yeah. then the No Limits title might be a four way scramble featuring, you know, four X No Limits champions. And you got Matt Vandegrift versus Funny Bone versus Ice Williams versus Jacob Boston Young or Coat or whatever it is. And you do that, the Nevada State. And, and, and having those type of matches, I think you know, bringing some names back who maybe people hadn't seen in years, you know, it's different. It's exciting. It, it's, it's yeah. trying to come up because you can't do the same thing over and over. And yeah. it's, it's hard when you have a base roster of 10, 15 guys to always try to be, you know, inventive and yeah. do things like at seasons beatings, we did Gregory Sharp and Vandegrift. Vandegrift's been around a while. I, I can't remember them having a match before. Right. So that, that was a fresh matchup. When Hammerstone and Vandegrift wrestled at the end after against all odds, I don't recall. I remember Hammerstone having a really good match with Damian Drake, but I don't recall him wrestling Matt Vandegrift at all. So that, again, became a fresh matchup. And, you know... That's what you got to bring to the table. You got to bring stuff that people are like, oh, shit. You know, I really want to see that. You know, hey, the unguided versus Gregory Sharp and Jordan Oasis. Well, hey, it set the tone for the next two shows. Matt Vandegrift yeah. now wrestles Jordan Oasis. Didn't have a clear cut, you know, situation with those guys. So we're going to have that right. match the 13th. And... Danny Limelight's going to sit and wait. He's got the title match. That's set January 29th. He's going to wrestle whoever wins Matt Vandegrift versus Jordan Oasis. Well, who's uh, Gregory Sharp going to defend against? Well, it's Gregory crazy. Sharp. Yeah, he can't he can't be very happy that uh, Damian Drake ended up posing with his title after that match. Oh, you should have seen him after the match. He went fucking nuts in the back. And uh I'll announce it here because we're probably going to announce it in the next day or two. But uh, a month or so ago, Gregory Sharp stole the victory, beat Damian Drake. And then at countdown to midnight, Damian Drake evened it up one and one. So uh, Gregory Sharp was so adamant about beating Damian Drake. He says he's not going to only beat him once. 
he's going to beat him twice. So at no escape, Gregory Sharp and Damian Drake is going to be two out of three falls. So, you know, that's, you know, that's a lot of good wrestling right there. Yeah. Yeah. Three falls ain't going to take seven minutes. Two falls ain't going to probably take seven minutes, you know? So, you know, the excitement's there, you know, no escapes coming up before you know it. And, you know, we have numerous matches in place. Uh, another thing I'll, you know, I can announce right here with Nick Bugatti not showing up, kind of ghosting uh, Nick Xander. Well, yeah. our fans, Nick Xander, you know, we we accepted the, you know, Nick Bugatti was the one who demanded the match. So right. if Nick Bugatti's going to play games, now we got it set in stone. At No Escape, we're going to have what's called the first ever No Escape match. That you can't escape to win this match. And in the Steel Cage matches, generally it's pinfall submission or escape the cage. Sometimes we even have escape the cage matches. Well, this is No Escape the Cage match. The only way to win is pinfall or submission. If Nick Bugatti decides not to show up, well, then he never needs to show up in FSW again. Because he will never get booked. So that match is going to happen. I'm pretty sure Nick Bugatti didn't put in all that time and effort. You know, he may want to play mind games with Nick Xander, and he's sitting down eating his New Year's Eve dinner and having another nice steak and having Nick Xander sit there, you know, kind of like a jerk-off, you know, like where the fuck is Nick Bugatti? I'm pretty sure if that match wasn't set, Nick Xander would have had something to do on New Year's. Right. So instead of beating up uh, Jeffrey Excellence and Beans, who was one of our students who was a security guy right. who did the Randy Orton at the, uh, you know, he, he's kind of out there beans, you know, I think he thinks he's Randy Orton and, you know, it was, it was a funny moment for us who know beans, but it wasn't funny for Nick Xander. So, yeah. you know, that is going to be inside the steel cage and you have right. to win by pinfall or submission. That's it. You know, wrestle until there's a winner. So I know Nick Xander's excited about that. And all he's wanted to really do is, is get his hands. And now it's inside. Bugatti can't run or hide. You know, once they're yeah. in that ring, he could try to climb out, but it, he can climb out all he wants, but the match ain't over. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, you know, very, very interesting. And I think that if I'm not mistaken, this, I believe in Everything I can think of with Xander, this is Nick's first cage match, I believe. Oh yeah, I would, I, I would, I would think unless in ever, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I, I remember seeing some kind of stipulation match he was in. It might not be. He might have actually did something like that at Best of the West or that UGWA, whichever that he wrestles out of. Yeah. I possibly believe he did wrestle a cage match somewhere else. We're gonna we'll have to find that one out, um, but that's that's exciting to see those two. Hopefully, if if Bugatti shows up, then uh, it'd be great to to see what happens with that. Um, you know, uh, the last thing I want to talk about on this past show, uh, Cody Hancock, Cutthroat, and uh, Andrew Delgado. Has Andrew Delgado proved? 
that he can uh, he can hang, and he's he's starting to show that he's got it. The thing with Andy is we, you know, he he has been with us. He was in China in two thousand, whatever, seventeen, eighteen. He trained with us, but again, most of us didn't realize he was like eighteen years old back then. You know, right. And then he came back. He didn't. He didn't last long. I don't know if it wasn't for him or, or whatever it was. But we had a Hoovy seminar. He broke his collarbone. He healed up, and then kind of disappeared again for for a few years. Like he was forgotten. Like it ain't like, hey, bro, how you been? Are you thinking of coming back? Type of thing. Because it was like now it's we're we're, we're talking two three years from when we last saw him. And then all of a sudden, I was like, hey, uh, you know, my mind's right. I'm ready to go. Blah, 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 blah. And even then, it was it was, it was, was almost like, you know, reteaching, relearning how to walk type of thing. So it was almost like starting from scratch. And the first time I was told, hey, you know what? I think Andy's ready. He hit me up like, hey, you know, I really believe I'm ready to be on the show. Blah, blah, blah. Future Shock. Sell some tickets. I get some people there. And as I stated earlier today, you know, he worked the, the four-way scramble, which had three really fast-paced guys. And Andy's more of that systematic wrestling style, which I got no issues with as I, you know, we did our evaluations on some of the guys. And I talked to Andy and I told him, you know, when we did that show in Arizona, we had Tony Nese and we had Rich Swan and we had uh, A.R. Fox. But JT Dunn was the fourth guy, and JT Dunn was the polar opposite. Andy was the polar opposite of those three. I guess he got concussed, he got fucked up, whatever it was, which he said after the fact. Watching it, we didn't see really anything in there. All I know is watching the match, he was really the odd man out. Like, he didn't fit. And whatever it is, you know, maybe it was the concussion. You know, I'm not sure. But needless to say he didn't get an opportunity at the next future shock. It's like, well, you know, he kind of shit the bed and okay, well now he's kind of got to wait his turn to, you know, we're going to give this person another opportunity or that person. So we were going to do the future shock and Jacob Austin Young talked about coming up early and he was like, Oh, you know, if I work, you know, I'd really love to work Andy. And of course he knows Andy cause you know, there Jake was in China. So, and, and he likes Andy, I guess. So it was something to keep in mind. We ended up not using uh, Jake Boston Young. Or something happened. I think we ended up canceling the Future Shock because I think there was the Taco Festival and Ricky was running stuff there and Sin was running another one at Sunset Park. And it was like, uh, we had the show the week before, which may have been the Mecca or Against All Odds. It was like, you know what? I, there's five other things going on. So we canceled that show. So then Cody let me know, he, hey, you know, if you, just so you know, if I'm available for New Year's, blah, blah, blah. And Andy, you know, the students gave a list of who was available and they were trying to fill in spots. And I know, again, Cody's another one who's very fond of Andy. I'm like, hey, you know, there's not really any big matches and, you know, a lot of things going on. You know, how would you like to work Andy? Oh, I'd love it. Blah, 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 blah. So that's how that came about. So it was like, that was one of the first matches I signed. I wasn't looking at like, well, if I don't bring in five of these guys from out of state, it was like, okay, Andy's going to get his opportunity. 
it's a it's a smaller show. It, it's it's a specialty show. It's it's our New Year's show, but we're not expecting a huge crowd. It's going to be our really hardcore family and friends that are going to be there. So they go out and then they had their match, and you know, actually had a couple people come up to me. Oh man, that that Andy Delgado match with Cody was awesome. So you know, it's good to see because sometimes, i.e. Kevin Cross and Timothy Thatcher to a lot of wrestling fans, that's not their type of enjoyment. They'd rather see Lava Fly jump off a balcony, Funny Bone, Matt Vandegrift, etc. So it's good to see there's a variety of fans who like different things. And universally, pretty much everybody praised uh, the Andy Cody match. So what that does for Andy is it opens up the eyes of Hey, you know, he's a guy now I have to think of very uh, keenly on if I need a spot for a show that him being deserving of. it. Uh, When you think about what's going to be happening here on the 13th, since it is literally right around the corner now. Um, what, uh, you know, is going on right now on the card? What do you have planned, uh, other than, uh, you know, is, is there anything set in stone right now? Because it, it's so quick. I, it, it's amazing how quick turnarounds are nowadays. Um, because it feels like, you know, we talk about something, we, we, we just see a show, we just do a show. And then it's like, Oh wow, this next one's only you know ten days away. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. We we've already put out as I stated, uh, Matt Vandegrift's going to defend against Jordan Oasis. Right. Uh, Maserati's going to wrestle Alice Blair. Jordan Cruz is going to wrestle Primo Henio. It looks like Remy Marcel is going to wrestle Devin Reno. And, oh wow! And we're going to have that combination because TBD's there. Hammerstone's there. Ice is there. The whole faction is there. Jacob Austin Young is there. Cody's there. Clutch is there. You know, Damian Drake's there. Gregory Sharp. It's like, it's another like season's beatings where the top stars of FSW are all going to be on hand. So now it's figuring out you know, other than those four matches, where we're going. And we are literally just one week away. Yeah. You know, so it's trying to get stuff up, putting things in place, and, you know, let the chips fall. So it's like we got four matches set. You know, we're going to have a really big special guest, uh, important person, uh, from a major company on hand, uh, checking out the event. Uh, we've worked with them one time before, you know, probably best not to give out what it's about, but it's something that could be big, not only for the wrestlers, but FSW, you know, again, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I got the message. Hey, we're looking to come down, blah, 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 blah. So I'm going to make sure the card's going to be stacked and put on the best show that we can. So, you know, that opens the doors. But 
the, the, the main issue is when we were putting everything together for no escape, we were probably in the first week of December, for example. So now it's like, okay, we're doing seasons beatings. We got new year's resolution. So, and we got the, 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 the new year show. So technically we have three shows to get to no escape. Who's right. Hammerstone going to wrestle? Who's TBD going to wrestle? Who's sharp going to wrestle? You know, you want to make sure the champions are in there. It's like, okay, well, Limelight recently just won the number one contenders match. But shit, you know, Matt Vandegrift's involved with Jordan Oasis. We we need to we need to clear the board of that. You know, we right. need Damian Drake's already lost to Gregory Sharp. You know, who's next in line for the Nevada State? And right. things got set up. And in most cases, things got set up at season's beatings on the 17th. And it countdown to midnight on New Year's. So we now know because of season's beatings by January 1st, Hammerstone's wrestling Ice Williams. Maserati right. and Viva Van have to happen at no escape. That's definitely right. going into a match. So we're not going to have Viva at the show the 13th, but we do have Hammerstone. So now we're not going to have him defend the title. We're building it up. It's, it's him and right. Ice Williams. Not going to be like, oh, he's going to defend the title one more time. No, that match is set. On New Year's, Damian Drake pins Gregory Sharp. Okay, that's easy, you know, because the other option would have been, you know, a scramble match and put some contenders in there, and Gregory Sharp would have to win a four-way. But there's the singles match there. And what happened with Xander and Bugatti? That's there. So that's five matches. Yeah. And not counting what is TBD going to be doing. They're about the right. only ones that we haven't figured out. They won a gauntlet match. They beat uh, Sky High in the final part of the gauntlet. Yeah. So now the thing is, well, that's match six. And as I stated, because of the cage, because of time, we can't do more than eight matches. What we do a pre-show? Sure. But now it's figuring out that large contingent of top wrestlers in FSW that you know, all are expecting to be booked. So that 50-man battle royal is happening yeah, as a pre show match. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, sure, we'll have we'll have one pre-show match, not a big deal, you know, and, and, and most likely that's going to be a mixed, not a mixed tag, but it could be a mixed tag, but it would be more of like a six-man tag. Right. To get some bodies in there because, hey, Bodie's deserving of being on the show. Is there an ability for him to be on the main show? I don't know yet. It's possible. Right. You know, Jacob Boston Young, he's booked on the show. Remy Marcel, he's booked on the show. And, you know, there's only two matches left. As right. I stated, we had Toa Leona booked. But we were looking to do a tag match with TBD. Right. With Khan, his tag partner, who was in California on that Friday. But he was unavailable because he was booked on the Sunday. And it would have either been TBD versus Gates of Agony and somebody else. It probably would have been a three-way with one of our main tag teams. So, But we had to weed out a couple in there by doing what we did at, say, Seasons Beatings. Now, the problem becomes... 
class just came back, so he's he's cleared to wrestle. But yeah. we're probably going to hold off on his wrestling debut because there's nowhere for him to go right now. You, you, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, who's he going to work? We haven't really set anything up for class. So a Devin Reno, a Jordan Cruz, a Primo Henio that we just talked about, a Sky High. Like, there's a lot of guys. And, of yeah. course, it comes down to necessity. Davey Richards. Obviously, it's difficult to book him. He's missed uh, a good number of shows. But he is in California that Friday and Saturday. And I had a message him back because he asked me about the 29th. And I'm like, bro, you know, we've already reestablished Damian Drake and Gregory Sharp. We can't really just throw you into the mix. You didn't make right. the shows. Whether it was your fault or not your fault, you didn't make the shows. So now let's wait till after the new year. So MK works a little. He talks to Conan. You know, they were trying to get some footage. And he offered me Sam Adonis versus El Hijo de Wagner on their dime to run at No Escape. And you know how much I like when I hear the words their dime <laughs> to run a show. Right. Yeah. But again, it was... Can we see if we can do it another show? Because I'd still want to do it. But I'm a person of loyalty. And when I tell a guy like Jacob Austin Young, who's been with me forever, that he's on that show, I'm not going to be like, hey, bro, by the way, uh, I got Sam Adonis in a AAA match. Sorry, I'm not booking. That, right. that, that's not my M.O. Right. It's like, okay, he was scheduled to be in that. Because now if we do that, that becomes match seven. Now it's like, okay, it's a scramble, most likely. Right. So now it's like, you know, who are the five that make that? You know, right. whoever loses Matt Vandegrift or Jordan Oasis has been the main event of the last two shows. Both men. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oasis and Matt Vandegrift were in the main event, and they'll probably be in the main event on the 13th. So you're in the main right. event twice. You lose on the 13th. Now you're off the show. Well, I right. would think I'm going to have to find a spot for right. the losing guy on that, which would be in a scramble match that Oasis and Vandegrift are very common to, and they've been in numerous ones. So that right. would already be the second spot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you throw a Remy Marcel, a clutch, again, guys who've been around and, and you want to make sure that they're part of the show because they're not involved in storyline things right now. So there isn't, right. you know, a set match for them. Right. So now you got four and now you have probably have another eight or 10 guys, uh, a Bodie. If, if he's not in the the if he's not in the pre-show match, he's a guy that would perfectly fit into there. I don't even think you've mentioned Cutthroat Cody at all. Cutthroat Cody is not going to be available on that 29th. He is okay. going to be uh, out of state. So, okay. but again, I think he took that booking 
knowing that there was a good possibility that there was nothing for him at no escape this year. Right. Which is, which is smart, by the way, any wrestlers who, who, you know, if you follow that logic, that's the perfect way to do it, you know, figure it out and go, ah, okay. Now's my time to take that other booking because of the fact, you know, the plate, the plate's already full for the, for the card itself. So, that's, right, that's, and 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 yeah. now by having the freedom of that extra match, well, who knows what comes out of January thirteenth? Because again, when we talked about a scramble, now all those players that I just mentioned the four, you know, Jacob Boston Young, Clutch, Remy, the loser of Oasis, Vandegrift, a Bodie. A Primo Henio, a Jordan Cruz, a Devin Reno, a class. Now I have two matches. You know, hopefully on the 13th, something becomes of that that makes one of them a singles match. And then the other becomes the scramble, which gives me access to making sure six or seven more guys are on that show. Because you always want some kind of meaning in a match, you know, yeah. even if it's a scramble for the winner gets a Nevada state championship match, there's gotta be something on the line for people to get behind it. You know, I know it's like, Hey, he's my favorite. He's my favorite. You see Bodie people going to pop for Bodie, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, then you have a match and it's like, well, if you do a match and it's like, Oh shit, you got Bodie in the match and Remy in the match and Jacob Boston young in the match and clutching the match, it's going to be like, wow, these guys are, are, are FSW, you know, tried and true. I don't know who to root for. So that right. makes that match interesting. A breadth of threat, for example, you know, yeah. I didn't mention him, you know, right. he, he hasn't wrestled in a little bit. And again, he's a guy who over, you know, his rookie year did great things and, and he's progressed in year two. He's definitely another guy who's deserving of being on the show. So in one capacity or another. Yeah. But the problem is, as I said, I can name probably 14 guys. Yeah. And now you got three matches. And right. one's a singles, you're down to 12 guys. Well, you're yeah. probably you're probably gonna be short a couple people that might have normally been on the show who won't be. Yeah. Uh, as we wrap up here, finally, uh, we'll we'll talk about probably one of the biggest things that uh, happened within the last couple of days. Uh, last week, you uh, brought up a little bit uh, in talking about Stefan Bonner passing away, uh, the craziness that surrounded him and Phil Veroni training at FSW at the same time. And then we find out that Phil Baroni uh, has been arrested in an, in an investigation that is ongoing in uh, the alleged uh, murder of his girlfriend. Um, holy shit! Wow. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's alleged because I believe he's the one who made the call to the police, and he's the one who basically said everything that happened and. You know, again, there there's yeah. always more than one story. You know, it's insanity. You know, 
you know, we were talking about what happened to the football player and, you know, Kenny King, you know, he came in and trained Wednesday and Kenny's a huge football fan, big Tampa Bay bucks, you know? And it was yeah. like, who would think Kenny, that when I saw you, that what happened to the guy from the Buffalo bills would be like the second biggest deal <laughs> of yeah. me talking about like, Phil fucking Baroni, like what the fuck? And it's like you know, we knew we knew Phil was a crazy dude and things like that. And and and, I, and again, he's a guy that through all those fights in, in MMA. And again, no excuse, but you knew there had to be a lot of CTE. The damage yeah. that dude had a lot of concussions. There's no doubt. Because his style was knocked out or get knocked out. He didn't give a fuck. And, yeah. you know, when, when you had conversations with Phil, you could see, you know, at a lot of times that he was unsure of things. You know, we would talk on Facebook and, like, he would bring up things that he had brought up before and didn't really remember. And it's like, hey, blah, 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 blah. You know, he had a pet name for me. Hey, small time. You know, he would always call me small time. And it would be like, you know, I can't be doing this, that, and the other thing because he would get in the ear of uh, other people. And it's like, oh, you're an MMA guy and you can't do this and you can't do that. And, you know, we were always trying to do what was best for him. But Phil had his own ideas and he had talked to people who basically told him, no, you can't lose to this. You can't do that. You're, you know, you're Phil fucking Baroni. And, you know, eventually he went on and, and did his own thing. But the very first match he had, I remember Mike Modest was our trainer. And that was the best match Phil Baroni ever had because Mike understood what he was good at. Mike understood what he was bad at. He understood his limitations. He made it short and sweet. You know, Phil did add to the table. He brought Chuck fucking Zito to come out ringside with, you know, another big MMA guy who I think was a champion at the time. And they were his seconds at the event. So it made it like a big deal. You know what I mean? It was like, fuck, you know, Chuck Zito's hanging out at FSW, you know, doing an angle and and laying out Disco Inferno, who, you know, we utilized because we needed to utilize Disco as Baroni and Bonner's managers at the time because, we want the disco to have possession of that microphone because we would have no knowledge of what those two fuckers were going to say. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, you know, disco was the protector of the microphone to make sure that what got said, well, you know, was on his end. And again, those two guys both weren't that happy about it because they were wrestling fans. So when they had that opportunity to do it, you know, they wanted to be macho man and drop elbows and Phil didn't want right. to do MMA stuff, you know? And right. that was what the crazy thing about it was that these guys wanted to do like every cool wrestling move they saw on TV when they were kids. Yeah. It's um, it, it, you're, you're right in that, in that idea of uh, yeah. I thought the, the craziest thing that happened was, was going to be, you know, this uh, idea of the Buffalo Bills player, uh, you know, going into a cardiac arrest. And then this comes out a couple days later and it's like, my God. Um, you know, I, I wish, you know, wow. we've always talked about the reality shows and things. Just to have Bonner and Baroni being filmed with them, because 
there was always arguments with the two of them because Baroni would talk about, yeah, he knows I'd fucking kick his ass and blah, blah, blah. And Bonner's like, this guy's fucking out of his mind. I'd fucking tap him and whatever. But like, that was like the big, like, they both swore they could beat the shit out of each other, but they would never like get in the ring and do it. They just right. love to, to jab her back and forth. You know, you're a pussy. I'll beat your ass. Bah, bah, bah. And, and and that was like the majority of every time they were in there yapping about stuff. And, you know, what's really interesting, and this just hit me as you were saying that. Um, so as as I read the article here, um, you know, the, the idea was that uh, – Phil was in a room uh, with his girlfriend. Uh, she admitted to cheating on him, and then that led to. Well, that would be her... the first mistake. I would never. You should never admit that to somebody like Phil Baroni. I digress. Well, so, and again, but, but that's the interesting thing here, and I didn't make that connection until you said the you know again that relationship between Bonner and him. Bonner just passed, and now your girlfriend tells you she cheated on you. I I could only imagine the you know what goes on in a person's mind. That's, That's the like, thing, you know. I'm not sure if they were close anymore, but it's just mind boggling that within a week these that, two yeah. incidents happened. happened. Because I also worked with them when I was working at the uh, Legends Room Strip Club. And it right. was a crypto club. The guy had it. But the one guy involved in it is One Kick Nick. And One Kick Nick is a very successful MMA uh, operator in town. He does, he's, been, he's been doing it for more years than me, training. And he brought Bonner and Baroni in because he's very well known in the MMA community. you know. And Bonner and Baroni worked in the same club as me. And, you know, I know there was there, there was issues there. But the funniest thing was, I guess I could tell the story. Uh, my buddy Jimmy was the main DJ and Spider's dad was overseeing a lot of the stuff and the business. So and I knew Spider's dad really well. So it was like, hey, you know, you need the guy to work three days a week. And they paid way better because there was really no tips. Nobody knew what it was. So I got a good salary. I'd come in and work, you know, three shifts a week. And before I got hired, my buddy Jimmy, who I worked with at Crazy Horse 2, and that's the connection of everybody, I went in there and I had to meet with Nick because Jimmy wanted to introduce me as, you know, his relief DJ. You know, Jimmy would work, whatever, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, whatever. Right. I work like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, and I'm there. Well, you need to put the belts on my boys. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, you need to put those tag belts on my guys, uh, Baroni and Bonner. And, like, these guys were never around anymore. You know what I mean? Like, they'd show up, you know, just for shits and giggles and then roll around one time in, in two months. You know what I mean? Like, you've never seen these guys. And I'm like, right. well, you know, if they come around, you know, love to do something with them. I'm, like, trying to, like, okay, is this guy trying to, like, rib me? And, and, and like, I can't get hired unless, 
And I had to like schmooze the idea of putting the belts on them uh, before I could be hired at the, at the club. It was crazy. <laughs> oh man. Uh, it, it's just, yeah, it was a possibility. So it could have turned out they could have been tag team champions. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it's so strange and just, you know, oddly coincidental that, you know, you end up talking last week uh, about it and, uh, you know, this is the follow-up that we get this week. So, uh, yeah, they, they, those guys were joined at the hip back in the day, but then like I knew for the last few years, like Phil like was living in Thailand for, for a while and you'd always hear, and, and he probably did it three or four times. He was coming out of retirement. He was going to have a fight. I know he was supposed to do the bare knuckles and I think he did one and then he didn't get paid. And then there was issues on that, but then he was supposed to do a show in Japan and then he canceled right before it, like the night before. So he had a lot of internal issues, you yeah. know, Phil, unfortunately. And, you know, that guy took more hits to the head than most yeah. MMA fighters. And, you know, that's, you know, I don't know the reasoning and I don't understand the CTE stuff and things like that. But right. when you've seen it in other people and it's happened, uh, you know, I think Phil, that was a major contributor to his personality because when he was cool, he was cool, you know. And, but you could you you also saw the anger and, and the violent tendencies uh, that he had. So, Damn. you know. On both situations, it's pretty tragic. You know, you got you're talking about guys in their mid forties. Yeah, yeah, and you know, guys who are in their mid forties, who earlier on in their life had gotten so much notoriety and fame that you kind of forget they were only in their mid forties because it feels like you knew about them forever. You know, Phil was a guy who kind of instituted pro wrestling before most people. You know, he'd come in, he'd cut the promos, he'd wear yeah. the robe, he'd come out like, like he was coming out for WrestleMania. Yeah. And yeah. I remember I, I remember the first call. You know, he was pretty pretty straightforward, you know, talking to him, never thought, you know, he might have any issues. Uh, I forgot who it was that recommended uh, – King Mo, actually, of all people. Oh, wow. King yeah. Mo, who had trained with us a little bit because he was friends with Kenny, and we loved Mo, and he did the angle with Stu Stone at Silverton that he was working for Impact at the time, and he got nervous calls from the Impact Wrestling uh, higher-ups, executives, because uh, Stu was threatening to sue because he put his hands on him, things like that. And and they we we worked the workers in, in, in that situation. And I'm like, Phil Baroni? Hey, how you doing? What's up? He was like, yeah, I was talking to King Mo, blah, 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 you know, and, and I wanted to see about doing professional wrestling. And I was like, yeah, feel free to come down. And then I remember never saw or heard from him again, you know, for months. And then all of a sudden yeah. he called again and then he came in and he started training and modest, you know, started working with him, disco. And we got him his first match and it went really well, but but after that, he had, you know, he wanted to do his own thing, you know, and yep. it never really worked out at that situation because 
he didn't really want to put in a lot of the time and effort. But, yeah. you know, early on, you, you definitely saw the potential. But I think over the couple of years, you could see the the digression. So you could see that, you know, th- that CTE stuff obviously takes its toll and it doesn't hit you all immediately. Right. You know, it's something that over time, you know, continually gets to you. And, you know, I probably haven't seen... I, I hadn't seen Phil in years because he wasn't living in the U.S. So how many years ago was it when he worked with us? You know, Mike Modest was still with us at the time. So, right. you know, how much did he digress in five, six, seven years? You know, yeah. it was probably 2015, 2016 when Phil worked with us. You know, I, I could I'd look at the date. We have the posters up in the school and we saw one. And that was the one he was on because I saw Cross, Hammerstone, and uh, Phil Baroni on the uh, on the poster. Man, it's just a tragic situation. And of course, you know, thoughts are with uh, the family of that young lady uh, who passed away. And uh, you know, uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, you know, just 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 a weird coincidence that you know we'd we'd talk about it uh bring them up and then a week later have to uh, talk about them like this so tell you what man you don't want me talking about you on the uh the falco files <laughs> Oof, could be the curse uh, <laughs> so uh so what do you have planned for the suavecitos <laughs> uh yeah uh they worked <laughs> they, they they worked on new year's eve yes they did they did they did um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, you know, knowing I, I'm just throwing out, you know, just, just throwing out names. I, I don't know what, what curse gonna... will stick with who. <laughs> yes. Hopefully, hopefully no more. Exactly. Um, all right, everyone remember, uh, the 13th, Friday, the 13th, new year's resolution, uh, 7 My PM favorite day, Friday, the 13th, 7 PM show, 7 PM. At the FSW Arena, uh, you yes. can catch it on the get, network. Get your tickets. Absolutely. All the uh, champions will, will. All the champions. Yeah, all the champions, other than Chris Bang. There we oh, go. Oh, sorry, Beaver won't. Beaver, Beaver won't be there. Yet. So there you go. Um, so it looks to be a good show. And again, if you're not in town, catch it on the FSW network. And uh, get ready for No Escape on Sunday the 29th at 5 p.m. at uh, the Silver Nugget. And you heard, uh, you know, the card is is almost full, so uh, you will probably be having the full card, you know, almost right after uh, the uh, the show on the thirteenth. So next week, uh, you get an idea of what that show is going to fully look like. And uh, again, uh, support FSW and uh, Joe. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. And until next week. We'll see everybody later.